I uh, usually teach in series. My notes are on VictoryChurchRaleigh.com website, so you can actually follow me. If you like, I don't normally get to everything in my notes, uh, but anyway, there, there is a guide. I don't even go in sequence with what's in there, but they're there, and my notes are available. So I've been teaching a series on healing belongs to you in Christ. This is actually part 11. I started in April. I didn't teach any of this this month because, uh, you know, we had 4th of July uh, July 4th was on a Sunday, which is unusual. And then the following week, we shared some, uh, along some of the same themes as we did 4th of July. And then I was out last week, so here we are. So uh, anyway, uh, session 10 was actually on uh, June 27th. All of this is on our website. The, the uh, audio, the video is there, the notes are there. So if you haven't heard something, I encourage you to go back and, uh, and listen to it. And the reason I'm doing this is because we're living in a really topsy-turvy time and everybody's challenged with all kinds of information about health over the last 16 months. We have all figured that out. And how many know God wants us to have his best? And God's purpose and plan is that we walk in divine health. So I didn't know this until I was 18 years of age, but it radically transformed my life when I found out that the same sacrifice of Jesus that forgives sin also makes available the healing in our bodies of sickness and disease. Is that good news? So I just really want to show you how to make that happen, how to make it available to you, uh, how it works. Um, uh, just a couple of scripture about this, uh, Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Isaiah is the great redemptive chapter, and you find healing there in that chapter about the Lord Jesus. Speaking of him, Isaiah 53, 4, surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded, for, pierced for our transgressions, crushed. For our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And then there's a divine commentary about that actual verse, verse 4, Isaiah 53 and Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, Matthew's gospel. And Jesus is healing and ministering to people. And then right on the heels of people being healed and set free from sickness and disease, um, Matthew mentions verse 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. And then Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So uh, anyway, we have found out it took six lessons at the beginning to just define and show the fact that when Jesus took our sins in, in his body on the cross and bore our sin penalty for us, at the same time, Jesus made healing and health available to us. Is that good news to you? I mean, so we, we pretty much exhausted that. So it took six lessons. We talked about dealing with fear. We talked about the information sources that, that we uh, avail ourselves to. Some we should, most we shouldn't. Uh, seven reasons you can know that healing is the will of God was one of the lessons. We talked about the healing covenant that God made for his people in the Old Testament, Exodus 15. We talked about God's seven covenant names, redemptive names, starting with Jehovah. And in that is the healing power of God, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our physician. And then we looked in uh, lesson six, the healing actually is in the atonement of Christ. And we look through Isaiah 53 and then Leviticus 16. There are types and shadows there on the great day of atonement in, under the old covenant where, uh, where the people's sins were atoned once a year. And thank God we don't have to give animals to uh, cover our sins. How many know are, are glad that Jesus cleansed your sin? That's good news, right? So, and then we took three lessons and talked about how to receive healing. 
And it is by faith. We receive salvation by faith, by faith, by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So we took some practical lessons on how to release faith. We know how to receive, uh, release faith to receive forgiveness of sins. You've got to believe the Bible. You've got to believe the gospel. And then you've got to confess with your mouth and say it out loud that Jesus is your Lord, right? So how many have done that? Isn't that good news? So you do the same thing with healing. We've talked about that in fair detail. And then part nine, we actually talked about words and how words are faith containers. And we looked at uh, uh, an example in the Old Testament of David and then uh, the 12 spies in, uh, uh, also uh, in uh, there where they, where they actually, their words actually came to pass. So again, then we changed again part 10 and we started talking about healing hindrances. Healing can be available uh, but, but for some reason, I'm having a hard time connecting with the healing that Jesus made available, so I call it healing hindrances. So uh, we, we talked about that last time. Sometimes there are roadblocks uh, to uh, us receiving personally the healing power of God. And, uh, you know, if you're driving your car, I've had many times where I live, I live in Nightdale, and many times I've, I've been almost home. In fact, once you get off the eight-lane eight freeway, uh, you know, I turn left, and usually within uh, less than a mile, I'm at my house. And I've had several times I go to turn, and I can't turn the way I want to because the road's blocked. And it takes me four or five miles to go all the way around. You've had that happen, right? So see, the same kind of thing can happen, even though God's healing power is available. There's some things that we're not doing or, you know, just aren't in sync where we can receive the best that God has for us. So I call this healing hindrances. And I talked about the last one uh, the last time I spoke, and uh, uh, I talked about the first one I meant to say. So there's four major categories under healing hindrances. The first one is negative emotions, and we covered that one in fair detail, misuse of the body, unforgiveness, and then disobedience. Now, last time, and that was June 27th, we looked at uh, negative emotions. How many know, you know, you can have hurts, pains, problems, challenges, in your life that you internalize. How many know that can, that can hinder the best that God has for you in, in a physical way? And so a lot of people think, you know, uh, you know, we live in a, uh, sadly, we live in a nation where there's so many broken homes and relationships are broken. There's a lot of divorce and, and, just, uh, and just relational fatigue, if you want to call it that. And those kind of things, and when you have open-ended relationships and things hurt you and jar you and bruise you in life, how many know those things take a toll on us mentally, emotionally, as well as relationally, and they can also affect us physically, yes or no? So we talked about that in fair detail, Proverbs 14.30, a calm and undisturbed mind and heart, this is amplified Old Testament, are the life and health of the body, but envy, jealousy, and wrath are like rottenness of the bones. Now, why does he, why does he call it rottenness of the bones? Well, your bone marrow is where your blood is formed in your body, and so really, how many know your bones are the, are the foundation of your physical health? And without healthy bones, you won't have a healthy life. And he said, you know, you got these, uh, you've got these emotional wounds, these emotional barbs inside. If they're open-ended, not dealt with, most people think, well, that hurt. I'll just forget about it, act like it never happened. It doesn't work that way. It gets inside, and, and, and often we internalize it. It causes inward pressure and stress and also can cause physical damage to our physical bodies. How many hear me? So we went in that in fair detail, and I said all that to say we've got a new program that we are starting. We've been working to do this for a long time. Finally, next month, I think our ship is coming to harbor you know, this summer. So uh, several good things are going on, 
And uh, this one is, we have a program called Cleansing Stream. Everybody say Cleansing Stream. Now, this is going to be a small group, and it's going to start September 20th on a Monday night, 7 o'clock. But this is for anybody that just wants to, you know, be disconnected and released from any challenges you've had in your past. All of us have, have things that, that, uh, that have hurt us that we have had to deal with in life with respect to relationships, the way we think about ourselves, how other people have treated us. And, and you know, there, there are abuses and all kinds of challenges that life has brought. Well, this cleansing stream uh, small group, and it's a, really it's a thing that happens, I guess, all over the nation here. We're a part of that system, cleansing stream. And you'll go through a program that's really, really going to be awesome. So uh, you will be, uh, in fact, it's got, I just saw this on the screen, a journey of discovery, knowing the Father, walking the Spirit, committing everything to God, speaking words of life, entering the cleansing stream. So uh, anyway, they're going to deal with your thoughts, your attitudes, emotions, background, uh, and uh, uh, pattern, thought patterns that are, are hindrances, um, emotional challenges that bring personal duress and, and pressure, and then lots of other things, demonic things that sometimes come in and, and seek to hinder. All of that's dealt with, so I encourage you. That's on our website. You can sign up for that. I encourage you to. It will be a great help. So that's coming up September 20th. So I think that's going to be great. Do you think that'll be good? So I encourage you to avail yourself of that. I would say if you're a new believer, I would definitely go through that, through that course. And even if you're a seasoned believer, but you have multiple challenges you're dealing with over and over and over again, and it's a cycle of challenge that you're facing in some area of life. Go through the cleansing stream. I think you'll find that you'll be helped. So today, let me continue with this. So there are roadblocks that keep us from God's best with respect to healing. And uh, so we've talked about the first one, negative emotions. Today, I want to cover the second one, which is misuse of the body. Everybody okay? You ready to be challenged? You mind a good challenge? Good. So there are four misuses of the body that I want to mention. Sometimes we create our, our own physical challenges. Did you know that? I mean, I have in my own life, and I've had to straighten some things up. So uh, misuses of the body in four areas, diet, rest, overwork, exercise. Doesn't that sound exciting? Y'all are so excited, I can tell. So let's go to the first one. The first one is diet. Now, I'm just going to meddle a little while. Is that okay? And say some things maybe your mama, mama wants to say to you. Is that all right? Y'all Okay. Let me just be real. Uh, I've been to a number of nations of the world and had uh, all kind of cuisines presented to me. Uh, I am an American by birth, and uh, I can say this, and after having traveled, uh, we have a very unhealthy diet, generally speaking, in America. And because of, basically because of the fast food that is so uh, enticing, it smells good, and it tastes mighty fine. Would you agree? And the crazy thing is, the different places I've been in the world, I've been to Hyderabad, India, for instance, and, uh, and, and there's a pizza hut. Let's go get some pizza. Or, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Or, or I'm in Moscow, Russia, and, uh, and I've been to the McDonald's there, and I think I got a fish sandwich because that was what I figured was the best thing going for me. So anyway, you know, I didn't get a Big Mac, I, I think I over, overdosed on those when I was a teenager working at a grocery store. We had one right across the street. Anyway, uh, anyway, we uh, export some of this stuff. So anyway, generally speaking, uh, we can be very challenged with our diet in America. And, you know, if you're going to have a good diet, you have to do it on purpose. 
right? So we're talking about misuses of the body. Many of our physical problems are caused by just simply bad eating habits. Now, this is an insight. Watch this. Now, we mentioned this a number of weeks ago when we were talking about the healing covenant that God uh, made with the Israelites in Exodus uh, 15, right after they came out of Egypt. Exodus 15, 26, he said, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, obeying His commands, keeping all His decrees, then I will make none of you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, For I am the Lord who heals you. Now, part of the commands God gave, he said, if you'll walk in my statutes, obey my commands, and keep my decrees, here's what he said. Uh, He said, "Then, then I will be the Lord your physician, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. And part of the commands God gave them had to do with what they ate. How many hear me? Uh... Now, those, those commands he gave them aren't necessarily commands for us today. But it's wise to go back and listen to what God said to them. So again, if you go through like Exodus and Leviticus and such, God gave Israel dietary, moral, hygienic laws. And uh, those laws were there to keep them healthy in, in really a polluted world as it were. And uh, he wanted them to have his best, so he asked him to do certain things. Again, they were commanded to do that. We're not. We're not under the same, the same commands they, uh, they had. But uh, nonetheless, you know, uh, not listening and not obeying the Lord in those simple, simple uh, things that God gave them as old covenant believers, uh, it brought physical sickness and weakness to them. Now, let me say this many times. I've been in ministry this year 40 years, and I don't know how many times over the years. I mean, this happened so many times. I've not kept record, but... So many times I've laid, and we lay hands on the sick here. We believe that God heals. How many believe that? So we practice that, we teach that, we preach that, and we experience that. So I'm laying hands on a person, and I've had this happen so many times. As I, as I was praying for a person, I had a, 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 just a deep intuition that uh, God may heal them right now, but unless they change their habit patterns with how they eat and how they deal with their body, this is probably going to come back. You ever had that happen? And so that's why, how many know you have the Holy Spirit and He wants to talk to you about everything in life, including what you eat? Have you ever had the promptings that maybe I should not eat that? Yes or no? Genesis chapter 1, just real quickly, notice what God said to the old covenant believers. Then God said, and this is right after, in fact, not just the old covenant believers. This is right at creation. Then God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth all the fruit trees for your food, and I've given you every green plant as food for the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life, and that's what happens. So he says, I've given you all these green plants. You and the animals are going to eat them. You're going to stay healthy. And then he added a caveat to it in Genesis 9. Now listen, right after the flood of Noah, he said, all the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the small animals that scurry along the ground, all the fish of the sea will look on you with fear and terror. I've placed... Uh, them in your power then verse 3 I've given them for your food just as I have given you grain and vegetables so God said it's all right to eat meat so I'm cool with you being a vegetarian but don't get don't look down your nose at people that want a piece of steak right and so he just kind of expanded you know what they eat and such first Timothy 4 uh, verse 3 and 4 they will say it's wrong to be merry wrong to eat certain foods But God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. So he said, bless your food, ask God to bless your food, and, uh, you know, 
anyway, we need to be careful. Uh, years ago, it's probably 15, 16 years ago, I had a physical challenge I talked to you about some weeks ago. My appendix burst mid-flight to India. I was in the hospital for nine days. It was very serious. I could have died. And after that, I mean, God was really speaking to me before then. But then after that, I, I did, I don't, whatever, I, I don't, whatever caused that. I just knew that was the same time in my life. I think I was 44 years of age. And God said, I admit you need to change your diet. I said, I got you. I'm listening. So I, started, I bought 16, 17 books on diet, yada, yada, and listened and read them uh, intensely with, with great interest. Uh, both Christian and non-Christian books, but just science books about diet and what you eat and such. One of them I came across was written by a Christian doctor, a medical doctor uh, from Arkansas named Rex Russell, MD. And the title of the book was What the Bible Says About Healthy Living. And, um, and from that book, there are three main principles. And I began to follow those principles and they, they uh, did me good. And the Holy Spirit's helped me through my life with these three principles for healthy eating. Number one, eat only what God created for food. Some things we create in the factory, and you ought not eat that stuff. It tastes good, but it's not helping you physically, right or wrong. You know, you got to talk to your kids about junk food, don't you? We need to talk to us big kids about junk food too, right? So, uh, Number two, eat food in the, its most basic form possible. And, uh, you know, uh, that means... That means raw fruits, raw vegetables, really good. Don't overeat, number three. Uh, that is, avoid food addictions. Moderation is the idea. How many know there are substances in fresh foods that our bodies need? Yes or no? And most of us have read uh, up on this and, su- and such. Photosynthesis in plants creates uh, phytochemicals, uh, phytochemicals and, and polyphenols, which are uh, on the subatomic level. They actually go into the cells of our body and, and, uh, and heal us from just the uh, just the act of living and the, and the stressors and such, and we need those foods in our bodies. And we as Americans have some of the worst eating habits in the world, and we really need to deal with that. Let me say this, uh, years ago, also the soils uh, I have read are soil because uh, we don't rotate the soils the way that God intended, and uh, we have uh, stripped the soils of the nutrition that they have in our plants that we eat uh, come from the soil and you know, of course, we put uh, fertilizers, synthetic fertilizers and such. Because of that, then a lot of the foods, we don't get all the proper nutrition we need. Now, this happened to me, man, uh, I, I was 19 years old or so. I'd just known the Lord for a year or so. And I had a, a physical symptom that just would not leave me alone. It was really odd and strange. And I said, God, I need help. I don't know what to do. And it was really affecting my daily life. And, and I heard the Holy Spirit, and I was just getting to know His voice. I was reading the Word a lot. I'd known the Lord for just a few years, a couple of years. And I heard the Lord say, Mitch, go take a multivitamin. I said, say that again. Oh, right in here. Take a multivitamin. I said, you've got to be joking. Now, my, uh, my uh, mother, uh, eventually, I was actually dating. I think I may have been dating Susan at the time. But he spoke that to me very clearly. My mother-in-law, uh, anybody ever heard of Shackley Vitamins? Yes? <laughs> so she sold this thing. I started taking vitamins, no kidding. I, I'd taken just a little while, and that symptom immediately disappeared. So again, the Holy Spirit needs to speak to you. But how many know you need a good diet? If you're going to eat junk food and expect to live a long time in absolute constant health, think again, you need to change some things. And I found the Holy Spirit will speak, yes or no? It could be a roadblock. Number two is rest. Everybody say rest. Something about Americans, we like to be so productive that now we've taken a, sometimes we've taken a bad look at rest and we think rest is a sign of weakness not not strength how many know rest is actually a sign of personal strength 
If you can back off from what you normally do and rest, it's a really good idea. Our bodies do not work well without rest, yes or no? I'm just going to read this because uh, we need to every once in a while. This is one of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male, female servants, your livestock, and any foreigner living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart. So God said, work hard six days, but do like I did in creation and take a break every day. How many know rest rejuvenates your body? Now, years ago, and I've said this, and I just mention this every now and then, every seventh week I take a break, and I'm not in the pulpit on purpose. I'm not even on campus. And I let my staff team, and, and how many know we've got a really good staff team here? How about give all of our staff team a hand? If you're on my staff, stand up. Stand up. Yep, stand up. Yeah, in the back, back. There they are, there they are. We've got more. Some of them are in the other service. Some of them are in the first service, others are in the back and such. Nonetheless, we have a great staff team, and I purposely do that. I went to several, I had, oh, this is, uh, gosh, y'all helped me six, seven, eight years ago, maybe six, seven years ago. Uh, I, I went to a few of pastor seminars here and there, and the guys were saying exactly the same thing. Guys would get up and say, and they were usually in their mid-50s or so, and they would say, well, you know, I had this experience. They tried to get up and preach one Sunday morning, and, and they just couldn't come. They just couldn't speak. They could hardly talk. They were emotionally a mess. And this one guy particularly said, I was an emotional mess two Sundays in a row. He said, something's wrong with me. And so he went to a doctor, and the doctor said, well, here's your problem. You've, you've not rested. You've burned out your adrenal gland. Now you have no reserves whatsoever, and now you're emotionally a mess. He says, you're going to have to take some time off to rejuvenate yourself. See, he didn't take a timely rest. And I had, over a period of time, several guys say exactly the same thing. So I had one guy I listened to, and this is where I got this. He said, you know, uh, every seventh day you ought to rest. He said, I've determined every seventh Sunday I'm going to take off just so I don't burn myself out again. And I started doing that, and it's really helped me. So I plan on ministering all my life. I don't see anything in Scripture that... That I'm going to retire. I don't have any desire to retire. I may let other people take some of their responsibilities as I get older, but I'm going to preach the word till I go to heaven. And I want to be able to do that. So you got to rest. That's the idea. If you don't take proper rest, now this is a challenge. If you don't take proper rest, it, it, can, uh, it can actually uh, uh, hinder the length of your life. 30 years ago, I've mentioned this before, I was reading the book of Daniel. And um, uh, Daniel, of course, lived in, in Babylonian captivity uh, in, uh, in Israel. And uh, the Israelites were actually taken off of their land for 70 uh, consecutive years. And Jeremiah 36, Jeremiah the prophet, told the Israelites, and here's what he said, you've disobeyed God for 490 years. See, in Leviticus 25, God told the Israelites, and I was reading this, God told the Israelites Every seventh year, let your land rest. They didn't do it. They disobeyed God. They worshiped idols. They did their own thing. They just negated the voice of God. And they did it for 490 years and come up to Daniel's day. And, and then what Jeremiah said came to pass. What is, uh, what is 490 divided by seven? It's 70. So God said through Jeremiah the prophet, well, since you didn't take the rest... 
Every seventh year, didn't let the land rest. It's going to rest all at one time. I was reading that as a young man. I was maybe 32 years old. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Mitch, because I love to work. My daddy was uh, loved to work. He put that ethic in me. I've always worked really hard. He said, Mitch, if you don't let yourself rest like I've asked you to and, and, and take breaks and every seventh day take a Sabbath rest, if you don't do that, I may take it off the end of your life. I, he never had to say another word to me. In fact, I just said, yes, sir. How many get it? And so we need rest. I reduce, as in the notes, I reduce the quality and perhaps the length of my life when I neglect necessary rest. How many hear me? We're wired to work hard and then take a break without rest. We give no opportunity for the systems of our body to rejuvenate. And those that are in the know that study the human body say that when you, when you actually rest, the cells of your body are able, at night, they're able to rejuvenate. And they're, and they're able to rebuild. And the systems of your body are able to rebuild. And now that we live in such a, such a complex time particularly, you know, we need that day of rest. Let me ask you, when's the last time you took really a day off and literally just kind of chilled? See, God made our bodies, and I think the reasons we're consuming so many medications and so many problem, uh, medications that help us mentally and emotionally is because we're not taking the rest that God said that we take. How many hear what I'm saying? So, you know, I've had to deal with that. In fact, my dad died in, 19, uh, in 2012, and every week of my life when I spoke to my father, my father was just so good about taking a, a weekly rest when I was a kid. Um, I mean, every Sunday we went to church. He took uh, me and my two brothers to church. And we came home eight, but he didn't do a thing on Sunday. I couldn't even get in and play ball with me on Sunday. He said, the Sabbath rest, son. Got to rest. But he worked hard. I mean, Monday through Saturday. He taught me that. So every week of my life while he was alive and I was in ministry, he would say, Mitch, you take your Sabbath this week, son? That means you take your rest. And sometimes I'd have to say, no. So he said, son, you better obey. It'll help you. So, you know, I've learned that I need to take rest. You need to take the rests, right? Uh, Charles Spurgeon, as I conclude with this portion, he's got a book entitled Lectures to My Students. And I've really enjoyed some of the things he said, even though this was way back in the 1800s. He said, even beasts of burden must be turned out to grass occasionally. The sea pauses at ebb and flood. Earth keeps the Sabbath of wintry months. And a man, when exalted to be God's ambassador, must rest or faint, must trim his lamp. They won't have lamps, but if you got a you got a lamp, an oil lamp, and it's too long, the wick is too long, it'll grow dim, and you, and eventually go out. You got to trim it. So he said, must trim his lamp or let it burn low. Must recruit his vigor or grow prematurely old. He went on to say it's wisdom to take an occasional furlough. In the long run, we shall sometimes do more by doing less. And then he ended this by saying, on, on, on forever. And I love this quote. Uh, May suit our spirits emancipated from this heavy clay. But while we're in this tabernacle, we must every now and then cry halt. And I love this part. And serve the Lord with holy inaction. Everybody say holy inaction and uh, consecrated leisure. Say consecrated leisure. So if your spouse says, what you doing? Say, I got some holy inaction going on. <laughs> I got some consecrated leisure happening. So, you know, we just need to rest. 
I encourage you. Uh, you know, I come from a long line of workaholics, which the number three uh, misuse of the body is overwork. Now listen to this from Philippians chapter 2. Everybody with me? Philippians chapter 2, verse 25, uh, Paul's talking about uh, one of his helpers, Epaphroditus. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. I'm sending him because he has been longing to see you, and I was very distressed that you heard he was ill, and he was certainly ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me that uh, so that I would not have to not have one sorrow over after another. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him, and then I will not be so worried about you. Verse 29, welcome him with Christian love and with great joy and give the honor him the honor that people like him deserve. Four, verse 30, this is the whole crutch of it, uh, he risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do for me far away. So this guy overworked and got sick. Did you know, even though you ought to have a good work ethic, you can work too much? It's true. And so you need to know where your limits are. One of the uh, Bible colleges that I uh, graduated from in 1980, which dates me, is Kenneth Hagin's uh, school, uh, Rama Bible College. And uh, Susan and I lived in Tulsa. I mentioned this all the time, eight years. And but one thing I, I remember Kenneth Hagin saying over and over again, you know, he was uh, he was healed of a congenital heart condition and uh, an incurable blood disorder by the Lord in 1934 at age 16, and uh, and then he lived a, a healthy life uh, on until he died in 2003 at age 86. But he would frequently tell, particularly us folk in his school. Uh, he would say, always, always take your rest and always know your personal limits. And I watched him, and he would mention to us, now, now uh, Kenneth Hagin would minister for long periods of time, and he had kind of an unusual ministry. He had a ministry in the Holy Spirit that was quite unusual. He would spend, he sometimes have lengthy certain night services wherever he was, and when he was in Tulsa, I watched the same. But you would watch him, and he would say, when I get too tired, he said, I promise God, I know my limits. And I promised him that I would never overwork because he had one time in his ministry, he went too far and his heart began to mess up again and began to have symptoms. And he said, he said, the Lord spoke to him, uh, don't overwork. So he said, I promised God that I would not overwork and I know my limits. And when I get to that limit that I feel exhausted, I don't care if I'm right in the middle of ministering to somebody, I just go and I, I give it to somebody else and I go back in the back room and I stop. And, you know, that really impacted me as a 20-something-year-old as I heard that over and over and over again. And, you know, I've learned to uh, figure out my personal limits, and you need to know your personal limits, right? Uh, so let me say this. I want to change gears a minute. I'm a high-energy person, and um, sometimes people overwork because of an unmet internal need for personal value. Let me say that again. Did you hear that? Listen, sometimes people overwork because of an unmet internal need for personal value. Now, that's true. Now, you know, you got holics of various kinds, an alcoholic. I mean, they're addicted to alcohol, got to have it. Uh, you got a foodaholic, they got to eat all the time, lots of things they don't need to. Uh, you've got a sexaholic, they'll look at pornography or enter into acts of sex that are illegitimate and wrong and sinful because they're addicted to that behavior. Or you can be a workaholic like me. I was a workaholic, y'all. 
when I was young. And I didn't even realize I was. And, and you've got this internal need, this internal thing that pushes you. You feel like you have no value or worth unless you're doing something. If you have, have any symptom like that, ask God to help you. I didn't even realize, y'all, that was in my life. God allowed me to enter ministry in 1981, and I ministered for many years. Susan and I lived in Tulsa, and uh, I didn't realize that this was in my life. Uh, so here we are, July of 1987. I was 29 years of age. Susan and I had two children. If you have a really high-pressure job, they tell you you need at least two weeks vacation in a row just to kind of get your equilibrium back and really get the stressors out and rest well. And so I took a two-week break in the summer months during that season of life. I was 29. I was working at a church. I actually did all the counseling for the pastor of a huge church of over 5,000 people, and it was a mess. Anyway, it was really a tough job. So I took a two-week break. My uh, parents and Susan's parents lived in Florence, South Carolina, a couple of hours from here down 95. Some of you may know Florence. So, uh, And then uh, I'm very familiar with Myrtle Beach. And uh, my family always went to Myrtle Beach for vacation, Cherry Grove, Ocean Drive, all that, North Myrtle Beach. We always went there. So uh, I would frequent the beach. So here I am on a uh, uh, second day into a two-week vacation. We we just driven staying with Susan's mom and dad, and we took our two children to Myrtle Beach. So here's the story. I'm on the beach. I got my beach chair. I got my two or three books with me. I've got my water bottle. Susan's got a book. We got two small children, you know, Jonathan and Sarah. We had four eventually. We just had two at the time. And so they're playing in the sand, and, and so you got to scene, right? You know, you got the azure sky, blue skies, just beautiful. You can see the seagulls flying around, you know, making their little noises. The wind, soft wind is blowing. Can't you imagine? You can, hear, you can hear the waves crashing, you know. You can smell the salt in the air. It's like perfect day. It wasn't too hot. Just perfect day. I'm sitting there, and, and my kids are playing at our feet. And y'all, I, I don't even want, I'm ashamed to say it all. You know what I was thinking about? All I could think about all day was my chair and my desk in my office in Tulsa. That's ridiculous. And you know what I thought? Something's wrong with me. I mean, doggone, something's wrong with me. What is wrong with Mitch? I, I, was, I, I didn't even want to tell Susan. I went through that vacation. All I could think about was my, was my desk, my chair, the things, that, the, the folders, the things I needed to do. My secretary is right on the outside the office. I had so many things left to do. All I was thinking about is, is what I could do and what I could accomplish. I said, God, something's got to be deeply wrong with me. I'm in this pristine environment anybody would long for, and I don't, I'm looking, thinking about my office. What's wrong with me? Y'all, let me just tell you what happened. God sent me through a process, and it took several years to rid me of these workaholic tendencies. You see, a workaholic works for accomplishment, and the accomplishment itself makes the person feel good about themselves. I'm supposed to feel good about me because of what Jesus did for me, not something I do for me. How I many you know that's messed up? Well, maybe you have that same problem. Well, you know, God wants to help you. So let me make this statement and then show you what happened. Not every bad circumstance in life is the devil attacking you. How I many hear me? Sometimes God will allow you to go into a tough place in life to help you. Yes or no? So as things were, that, that year, 1987, I got the epiphany. The all, all of a sudden, I was enlightened to 
A problem I had was, was workaholism. I didn't realize what it was at the time. I just knew something was wrong for me to be thinking about my office in a perfect, on a perfect day at the beach. So the next year, Susan and I, of the Lord, of the Lord, moved to a small town in South Carolina, a, a, a pioneer to church. I mean, and, we had three, and then we had a baby three months after we got there. So we had three children, eventually four, and we pioneered a church. And, and, you know, that was one of the darkest times of my life. And I've talked about that if you've been here any length of time. I literally, at one point, I just wanted to die. I wanted to kill myself. I, was ter- I wanted to commit suicide. It's terrible. But the pressure was so intense and things didn't go the way I thought they would, go. they would go. And in ministry, most of the time, they don't. How many hear what I'm saying? I mean, the enemy's always wanting to attack you. And if you're going to walk with God, you'll have many seasons in your life. It looks like nothing's going right. But see, God never forsakes you and he will never fail you. And I, had, I, I said, God, why in the world? I was upset with him for a while. Why did you send me here? Here I was. I had a nice house. I had a nice, I had a nice job. I had people that loved me. I, have, I was surrounded by all this stuff I love. And here you put me up. I, like, I, I feel like John on the Isle of Patmos. I'm here by myself. Why? Why? And I didn't realize sometimes God uses pressure points in life to reveal what's inside of you, to bring it to the surface so he, you can let him deal with it. How many hear me? And that's what he did. I didn't realize that I was a workaholic. But during that era of time, not only did I start a church, turn it over to another person, but I also went into a traveling ministry. And while I was in the traveling ministry, I had portions of time. Not everybody was excited about me coming to see them. And so I, I spent a lot of time on the phone, a lot of rejection, and that's what happens this way it is. But I found myself on my rear end sitting down doing nothing. And I did everything around the house. I mean, I, I cleaned everything. I painted. I upfit this and did that and did this. And, uh, and I was sitting down one day. Susan's working. My ch- kids are at school. And God began to deal with me. And he began to talk to me about my workaholic tendencies. And sometimes God has got to get your attention by putting you in a place that's uncomfortable. How many hear me? If you've never been there, you'll get there one day in some way for some reason. Well, I was there and God began to show me that, you know, uh, I didn't get my value of myself from, from him, but from what I did. And he had to get me to a place where I was isolated, alone, and really seemingly unproductive. And it was during that time of lack of production for me that just brought me to the end of me. And you know what I found? At the end of me, I found Jesus again. I found his presence again. I found his love again. And it detests. Here's what I found out. God will show you a skill, an ability, and it will allow you to do something and do it well for a period of time. But just like Moses, Moses thought he had it made at 40 years of age. He found himself in a, in a desert and stayed there 40 years. And don't forget that Joseph was in a prison for 13 years. And don't forget the Apostle Paul, the learned man, uh, uh, Paul, who was one of the most, uh, most um, uh, educated men of his day. He spent 13, day, 13 years, seven, up to 17 years, 14 to 17 years alone. When he first met the Lord, what was God doing? Honing out of him things that needed to be removed. So y'all at the very end of this time, and let me come to the end of this, the end of this time in my life, uh, I'll never forget, I said, God, I don't have time to, I could cover it in detail, I don't have time. I said, God, 
if I never preach again like I used to, minister like I used to, here's what I said, just to know you means more to me than anything in life. And y'all, I'm telling you, it changed my whole world. And now, you know, the funny thing, I, I ministered prior to that in my 20s. But when, when I, I crossed this, when I crossed this, 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 this event, hard place, and came back to myself, that workaholic thing was gone. I don't have to be in ministry. I have the privilege of ministering life to God's people. I don't have to be, do it to feel good about me. I don't have to work to feel good about me. I can take breaks. After this, I could take breaks for the first time in my life. In fact, Susan and I, you know, we got four children, eight grandchildren. You know, every summer we rent a house at a beach. And I've got one rented in August. And guess what? All of my kids are coming. All my grandkids, it's going to be nuts and crazy. It's going to be a zoo. But we're going to have fun. And guess what? I will disconnect and detach and feel good about who Jesus is in me. Now, if you can't do that, you have a problem. So overwork, I mean, you know, it can be a big, big issue. So take your breaks. If you can't take a break, find out why. Ask God to help you. He will. The last thing I want to mention is lack of exercise can be a roadblock to healing. How many hear me? So diet, rest, overwork. Last one, lack of exercise. Cut to the chase here. I was uh, uh, 22, 23 years of age. This is in the early 1980s. I've been to two Bible schools. I was working at a church, and uh, I started feeling very lethargic and, and just really, really not, not, you know, just weak physically. I just wasn't at my best, and I've always been very active in, you know, work, um, you know, in exercise and athletics and things like that, and I wasn't doing that at the time. And the Lord spoke to me one day during my private time and said, Mitch, and it, I'm not kidding. I mean, I thought, this is really weird, God. Why are you saying this? <laughs> he, said, he said, I want you to jog. And I want you to exercise the rest of your life. I said, what'd you say? He said it again. I said, you got to be joking. So he wouldn't leave me alone. He wanted me to exercise. And I had stopped exercising. That's what a lot of people do. They get out of school, college, and they just kind of get lethargic. And I had done that. And I got to feeling funny physically. He said, I want you to exercise. So I went. I bought all the the paraphernalia, shoes, and all that. We had a a park called Haku Creek Park in Tulsa. And it was one mile was a uh, one mile one loop was a mile. Go through some forests, go over some creeks. Really beautiful place, and uh, go down by a road. And it's one mile. And uh, and so I, I started. Bottom line was I got myself in shape going going that one mile. And all my life since then, I jogged for over thirty years. And then back in two thousand twelve, the Lord spoke to me and He said, "I want you to start riding a bike bicycle for exercise." So this past Friday, for instance, I went twenty three miles on the. Noose River Trail. I go anywhere from 23, 30, sometimes 40 miles. Don't know what kind of time I have, but you know I worked up to that. And uh, and then I also walk. Yesterday, for instance, uh, instead of riding my bike, I walked. For, uh, sometimes I walk two miles, three miles. Yesterday, I walked four miles. But I'm just saying that God spoke to me when I was young, and He said basically said, "I want you to exercise the rest of your life." How many know if you don't exercise, you're going to have some problems? And that's, we, we live in a sedentary society. When I've traveled worldwide, there's so many places when the immigrants move here. One thing I've heard over and over again, you don't have sidewalks. You need some streets. You, need, you people don't walk. Everybody drives everywhere you go. Is that here? Yeah, see? And uh, a lot of nations, I mean, people walk a bunch. And we don't, and it's causing us deep problems. How many hear me? Uh, I'll end with this, uh, 1 Timothy 4, 8. Amplified New Testament for physical training is of some value. But godliness, spiritual training is useful and of value in everything and in every way. 
for holds promise for the present life also for the life which is to come. Physical training is of some value. So there's something of value with physical training. Let me mention this. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I was on a missionary. We have eight churches in, or 12 churches in Ethiopia, and uh, we had a medical doctor go with us some years ago, and um, he was an emergency room physician from Texas. And this guy, I mean, uh, he knew more. Uh, he had for, he had forgotten more than most people ever learn. This guy was just crazy smart, and he loved to talk. So every meal we're talking with, we're not talking. He's talking. We just sat down and ate. He just talked. But you know, I fi- I found him quite intriguing. And one of the things he said, he said uh, just out of the blue, he said, "Well, you can categorize your health in three categories." So I'm like a dog. Listen, I'm or a horse. I'm listening. He said, one-third of your health has to do with your heredity and family background. Then he said, a third has to do with your diet. And then a third of your health, you could break it down this way, has to do with physical exercise. So he said, a third of your health is not in your hands. It's outside of your hands. It's not in your jurisdiction. jurisdiction. But two-thirds of your health is. What are you doing with the two-thirds you're responsible for? Boy, I never, ever forgot that. So again, I have exercised all of my life, and, you know, exercise uh, helps with stress. Your physical body needs it. What happens when you exercise? I know these are fundamental and elementary, but I need to say it because this is a huge roadblock for people in America receiving healing. How many hear what I'm saying? When you exercise, the simple thing, what happens? Well, your circulatory system, your heart beats faster, your blood moves faster, and uh, your blood does two things. It feeds your cells and takes waste away from your cells, and it leaves your body through, through the urea that, that uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, builds up in your kidneys and then you eliminate That's what happens. But when you exercise, you do it more. So you're breathing in more oxygen, more blood to all of the parts of your body that need it, which is every part, every system of your body. And if you just do that, how many know it's going to make a difference in you? So I don't care who you are, how old you are, do something to move. Yes or no? Listen, I talk to so many people and I see the sedentary, the effects of having a sedentary lifestyle. I don't care. I mean, I've seen people on the trail that I walk and ride bikes on and I see some of their older guys and they're like, they just barely get in. I say, hey, go, man, you go, you go. Do something. If you can't do anything, wiggle your thumb. Wiggle your hand. Wiggle your toe. Do something. Move. Right? Uh, the, the, uh, the opposite of that will hinder Hinder, hinder life. Having said that, can I give you the flip side of this? Uh, You can put all your faith in diet, all your faith in rest, exercise, in not overworking, and still not be well physically. We have to have our faith and trust in Jesus. Yes or no? So again, the roadblocks, and I just want to encourage you, get the roadblocks out of your life. Make sure you're eating properly. Make sure that you're resting as you should. Make sure you're not overworking. Make sure you have some kind of an exercise regimen. It makes that much difference in your life.